It's good to see all of you this morning. We're going to be in the, in the book of Haggai. I'm going to ask you to stand in just a moment. But before you do that, I want, to, I want you to make sure you got your Bibles ready, whether it's on your phone or your paper Bible or whatever. We're going to look at a lot of scripture this morning. We're going to look at the book of um, Haggai, chapter 1, verse 1 through 14. So if you would now, if you're able to stand, then stand. If you're not, you can stay seated. But follow along with me as I read the first 14 verses of the book of Haggai. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses? While the house, why my house, why this house lies in ruins. Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much. And harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood to build the house, that I may take pleasure in it, and that I may be glorified, says the Lord." You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, it blew away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land, And the hills, and on the grain, the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth, on man and beast, and on all their labors. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. And the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai the messenger, of the Lord spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. Amen. You can be seated. I want to ask you this morning. Um, how many of you came here to, to hear from God? And, and my one desire is to share what God, to be the mouthpiece of God, to, to share his word. For, so my prayer for myself is that I would adequately deliver his word this morning. So if you would, let's just pr- pray a simple prayer and just ask God to speak to us. Lord, this morning... Um, we just surrender ourselves to you. 
And we ask you, Lord, to have your way in us, in all of us, not just part of us. Lord, we open our hearts to you, and we ask you to speak to us, Holy Spirit. We ask you, Lord, to, um, to just have your way in, in our hearts, in our lives, that you would use us for your glory and honor. And Lord, we pray that as, as I speak, that I would speak as though I were speaking your word. So, Lord, speak through me. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the, the passage that we're, we have before us with Haggai, um, and let me give you a little history of what happened. We've been studying the, the prophets. So uh, God began to send prophets to Judea, to, to Judah, and to pr- ask them, to proclaim to them, to call them to repentance. Over and over again, he spoke to them to repent, to, to return to him. And they refused. After a period of time, God sent the Babylonians to come and take them into captivity. Jeremiah the prophet prophesied that that captivity would last for 70 years. And that's exactly how long it lasted. While they were in captivity, we read in the, in the, in the, in the scripture about Daniel and the things, things that God was doing in those places. Well, God began to work among his people And brought them to a place of repentance. They returned to the word of God. And there was this group of people called. The scripture calls it. Haggai calls them the remnant. And he calls them back. And after 70 years. God. uh, The the Babylonians were defeated by the Persians. We we see. I'm going to read. One passage from the book of Ezra. Chapter 1. Verses 1 through 3. To give us a little bit of, of context. You can just listen if you want, or you can, you can turn there. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah may, may be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth And he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever is among you of all his people, may his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. And Cyrus put this into action. He wrote it down and it was recorded. Can you imagine this? Just as God had said what happened through Jeremiah the prophet, after 70 years of captivity, the children of Israel, they would return. They would come back. And the Persians defeated the Babylonians. I think it was last week we talked about how God would punish these evil Babylonians. And he raised up this Persian army and Cyrus um, defeated them. And then God put it on the heart of, of Cyrus this king, the king of Persia, to make a proclamation and send the children of Israel back. Isn't that amazing that he would do that? God was turning the heart. God turns the hearts of kings. He certainly turned the heart of Cyrus. And so this group of people, they went out and he said, all of you gather together. And they even gave them back the, the things that the Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple, the gold and silver and a lot of those things, he gave it back to him and he told people, he said, hey, let's help finance this building of this temple. And they raised up a group of people headed by 
uh, Zerubbabel, who was to become the governor, and also uh, Joshua, the high priest. So they led this group of people back to Judah, um, about 50,000 people. So they marched back, and they, they came back, imagine this. When they left over 70 years, these pagan people had moved into their homes and their houses, and it was occupied. They came back into a hostile environment, and they began to reestablish themselves, and they began to do what God had called them to do, and that's what we see in the book of Haggai. So they began to build the temple, and they built the foundations, and they reinstituted sacrifice. The altar was erected on, on the foundation of the temple. And then something happened. They began to get resistance. So after two years, they were there. They were excited. They began building. They began worshiping God. And God was was working in their midst. But then they became discouraged. The people who were living there all around them in this hostile environment sent a letter back to a new king in Persia named Artaxerxes. So he sends this letter and they said, Hey, we need to let you know we are so faithful to you, king. But we need to let you know about this people who are here. And go and check in your library. Pull out the annals and see what they are. They used to be, they at one time were this powerful kingdom. And guess what's going to happen? They're going to reestablish. And they're going to become strong again. And they're no longer going to pay you any tribute. It's recorded in the book of Ezra. So Artaxerxes went, pulled in the library, took it out. And sure enough, he found out that Israel at one time was a great nation. Powerful. And that, that they were destroyed eventually and taken into captivity by the Babylonians. And so he sent a message back. And he said, he ordered his, general, his army people who were there and said, forbid them to build. Until I say so, they can't build any longer. So the people got discouraged. They took their focus off, the, off of God. And there is no evidence there of a prayer meeting or that they gathered together to pray. There's no, no evidence that they called together and, and, and prayed and expected God to do something. They went and they got discouraged. And that's where we are in the book of Haggai. So I want to go back through Haggai uh, verse by verse and, um, and look at some things. So if you've got your scripture, follow along with me. Haggai chapter 1 verse 1. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month... On the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet, to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. God raised up a regular guy, Haggai, to go to first to the leadership, to the governor, Zerubbabel, and to, um, to Joshua, the high priest, and then to the people, through them to the people. God initiated... And as God often does, initiates his call to, through the leadership. Uh, verses 2 through 6. Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses? While this house lies in ruins... Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. In other words, repent. Turn back to me. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. 
you clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And, and he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. This frustration that um, the people were saying, we know what God said to do, but another day. We're going to do it some other time. God has told us to do that. It's too hard. We have this occupying army around us. We've got these, the, the, the king has said, you can't stop building the temple. And so we're just going to go about our ways. We're, going to, um, we're not going to forget about God, but we're going to do our own thing. So the people had been disobedient to God's command to rebuild the temple for 16 years. 16 years went by from the time they stopped building the foundation until Haggai comes to them. They had turned their focus from God to themselves. Instead of focusing on God and building his kingdom, they turned their focus to themselves and building their own tiny personal kingdoms. Does that relate to you? We do that sometimes. God has called us to do something. I mean, that's... Um, and we start, we, we get about, we don't, it's not that they had turned away from God and worshipped idols at this point. They had just gotten busy doing their own thing. The temple of God was lying in ruins. They had become passive toward God. Because of their sin, God was not blessing them. In fact, he was standing in the way of their plans to live independently from him. James 4, 6 says this, God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. God is looking for a group of people. He was looking for people in this day, for these, these, the remnant, the children of Israel, to turn to him. To get off, to, to, to return, to stop building their own personal kingdoms and begin to get back again um, to God's business. God calls his people to repent. That's the call of God. Let's go ahead and flip to the next um, I found this. Can you relate to this guy? This is one of the funniest pictures I've seen. But here's this donkey who, uh, sometimes I'm a donkey, really. But he's loaded down with stuff. Do you ever feel like you're loaded down with fears and worry and material things and all of that? And, I mean, maybe you feel that way today. Have you guys felt that way sometimes? We get so much on us. God has a plan. He has a purpose. But we get so weighted down that we go nowhere. Our ways become frustrated. In fact, here in the scripture, we see that um, God is actually standing against them. They're trying to do their own thing. They're trying to build their own ways. And it's like they're putting money into a purse and, it, and with holes in it and it's falling through. Their ways are frustrated. In fact, God says that, um, that he's coming against what they're doing. Why, why is he doing that? Because he dislikes them? No, because he wants to bless them. He wants to do good things in their life. And he's wanting to do great things in their life and through their life to, and to the whole world. Same thing with us today. God will frustrate our ways to get us back to repentance. To get us to the place where we're supposed to be. Uh, let's move on. Haggai chapter 1, verse 7 through 11. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways, go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house, that I may take pleasure in it, and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. 
And when you brought it home, it blew away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts? Because of my house that lies in ruins. While each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew. And the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth, on man and beast, and on all their labors. God is calling to calling for repentance. The fruit of repentance is obedience. They were presented with a choice. Plan A, repent and obey God, rebuild the temple. Or plan B, continue to build their own self-centered kingdoms and miss the blessings of God. Plan A, repent and be about God's business and experience his blessings. Or, or continue to go your own way and experience frustration. Let's go to verse 12. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and all the remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. And the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared God. The leaders and the people repented. They obeyed God and rebuilt the temple. They got back to business. They, they began to have an awe and respect for God again. They listened to what God was saying to them. And they turned their heart back to the Lord. Verses 13 and 14. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. The Lord said, I am with you. He says a similar thing to us today. I am with you always, Jesus said to the end of the age. He is with us. They turn to God. The Lord, re, re, the Lord united them all together, lit a fire in their hearts, empowered them, and enabled them to complete the task of rebuilding the temple. He lit a fire in their hearts. They came together. It wasn't the leadership. Um, Zerubbabel and Joshua couldn't do the job themselves. It took all of them together. It's not just uh, the leadership in the church that God has called to obedience. It's all of us. Every sing- Amen? Is that right? Every single one of us God has called. It's us together to do the work just as it was then. They completed the work and God's blessing was restored upon them. So what is the application? So this is, where did God dwell in the Old Testament? He dwelt in his temple, right? Where does God dwell today? Where is God's house now? Um, Turn with me if you would. I want you to turn there in your Bibles. I think it's maybe on the on the slide too, to First Corinthians chapter six, verse nineteen and twenty. So number one, God dwells in the hearts of His sons and daughters, those who have personally trusted in Jesus. God dwells in our hearts. Amen. Is that right? Okay. Let's look at First Corinthians chapter six, verse nineteen and twenty. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, 
whom you have from God. You are not your own. You've been bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So where does God dwell? In our hearts of believers, those who have trusted in him, right? My body, your body, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. God himself, the creator of the universe, where does he live? In, the heart, in our hearts, doesn't he? I mean, you think about, I forget about that. Do you ever forget about that? We have this incredible resource of power within us. And yet, I often forget that God dwells in me. And that what God started in me, he will complete until he returns through the power of the working of, of his spirit. Right? Amen? Right? God lives in you and me. Those who have been born again, who have trusted in Christ. The Holy Spirit is a great gift from God, sealing your salvation and empowering us to grow and bear fruit. We don't have ownership anymore. This is what it says. Look, you are not your own. You've been bought with a price. We have been bought, men and women of God, young people, we've been bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? I don't belong to me anymore. It's not me. I don't own myself. I don't own anything that I have. Do you? It's his. We have been bought with a price. We, we don't have ownership anymore. We are called to glorify God with our lives, to be a true reflection of Jesus in our love and character, to have his heart for both the lost and the saved, to, to be his hands and feet in the world. Amen? Amen? To be a reflection of Jesus. Let me ask you a question. When people look at my life sometimes, especially my wife because she's around me sometimes, I am not always a reflection of Jesus. Amen? <laughs> but you know what? The Spirit of God lives in us. We should be a reflection of the character of Jesus in our, in our attitudes, in our love, in the way we reach out to people. We should have Jesus' heart as we saw the mission moment. We should have his heart for the world, right? And he tells us, go and preach the gospel to all creation throughout the earth. This week, I was thinking about this. You know, I live in my neighborhood. I was praying. I'm going, God, man, I, I, tell, I share the gospel all over the world with all kinds of people. I see people. But you know what? God, there's, there are neighbors of mine who I haven't talked to. I haven't knocked it. You put me in this neighborhood, and I haven't done a whole lot in this neighborhood to represent you very well. I mean, I don't represent him badly either, but I've just not done a whole lot. So I prayed that morning. I went out. Um, this is on Monday morning when our trash comes. I was taking the trash out. I just prayed this Monday morning. Came out, took the trash out, and this guy who lives on the corner, his name is Steve. We struck up. He just, God brought him right there. And we had this, this long conversation about the gospel. Um, God fulfilled it. When I prayed, when I asked him to do it, God opened the door of opportunity. I'm looking forward to going back to him, back to Steve, and, and asking him. He, he gave him the opportunity to receive Jesus. and went through the whole gospel presentation. Gave him the opportunity. He said, he said, do you believe that? And he said, I mostly believe, but I'm not quite there yet. He said, let me take this home and read it. I gave him a track and took it home. So we need to pray for Steve. Um, many of us 
Many Christians have a foundation just like the temple, this temple foundation, but the structure is undeveloped or is in ruins. God calls us, men and women of God, to build the temple. I'm not talking about just physically. I mean, he talks about us to take care of ourselves physically, but our spiritual temple. Amen? He calls us to be devoted. You know, I think I've heard this. I was challenged by some of the others who have, um, have preached here that we spend more time watching the news and on Facebook or whatever instead of getting in the Word of God. I, I was convicted about that. God, I, I, we need, I need to get in the Word. That's what God, God calls us to relationship. And we need to be devoted to that relationship to Him. To allow, begin to do some things to build the structure in our life. And point number two, I'm going to continue with this. Where else does God dwell? God dwells in the midst of a church or group of believers that are on mission with Him. So God dwells in us individually, but He also dwells among us corporately. That's in Ephesians chapter 2. Verses 19 through 22. There it is. It's up there. Um, You can follow in your scripture. You can look on the screen. I'm going to read this. So then, you are no longer strangers or aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together. Listen to this. The whole structure, that the, the church he's talking about, joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by his spirit. He's talking about the corporate group of believers. When people are together, it even extends to the home, I believe, or with two groups of people gathered together. When you pray together with your, your husband or wife or with someone else, Jesus said, if two or more gathered in my name, where is he? I'm there in your midst. God calls us as a church to dwell. He wants to dwell within our relationships with each other. We are members of God's household. That's what he says. You're no longer strangers and aliens, but fellow citizens, members of his household. Do you know what that means? That means that you and I... If we've trusted in Jesus, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I tell you what, I've found that oftentimes um, spirit is, 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 is stronger, thicker than, than blood. Especially with my family. And Darla's side of the family, we're fortunate that her mom and dad know the Lord. And, um, but we're members of God's household. You are my brothers and sisters in Christ if you've trusted in Jesus. We need to act like it. Sometimes we... We don't act like we love each other like God calls us to. Jesus is the cornerstone. It's, he is the one that we are built upon. It's built upon Jesus. The gospel is how a healthy church is built in healthy relationships. That, that applies in our homes with our husband and wife or in our small groups. Jesus got, has to be the center of it or it's not going to work. Followers of Jesus are corporally the, the dwelling place of God. Fourthly, we need each other. Boy, am I convinced of that. Absolutely, I need people. Um, uh, Moore Gorman's not here. He's probably, I'm sure he's watching at home. He call, we have this group of guys that meets on Tuesday night, 
Some of you are there, and Merle calls us, it's my men. I tell you what, last week, um, the week before last, a week ago, some of y'all were, I, I went to see, we've had some issues in my family with my brother, especially, and he's caused all kinds of damage. I, I got um, people together, many of you prayed for that, um, that situation. We were going in, I was going into battle. I'll tell you what, when I was going there, I want to be surrounded. I, wanna, I, need, I need people around me uh, supporting me in prayer. And I, saw, I went there and I saw my brother still lost. He hasn't come to the gospel, but I saw God work in an incredible way. God works through power. He works through people. I tell you what, um, I, I could not make it in my life. I've got not just a group of men, but other individuals. Some of you, I've got a bunch of accountability partners. You know why? Because I need people speaking truth into my life. I need my wife, Darla, to speak truth in my life because I've got a lot of blind spots. I'm still in process. God's still working on me, and I need the church. I need you guys. We need each other to become, <laughs> to become the people God's called us to be. We cannot become the one God, God calls us to be without the church. These people that are trying to do whatever on their own, um, they are missing out. We need the church. We need each other. Number three, God is building the future dwelling place for his sons and daughters. This is, this is in um, Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 5. Well, before I do that, I'm going to go to uh, John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. This is what Jesus said. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so... Would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. You know what? This world is not our home. He's gone to prepare a place for us, a a dwelling place. Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 5 says this, and it's up on on the slides. Then I saw... A new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write it down. For these words are trustworthy and true. God says, write it down. This is going to happen. We have a future place. We have a future home. God has prepared a place for us. And he invites everyone to come. All people. He invites. That's where our home, if we've trusted in Jesus, that's where our future will be. Isn't that awesome? He's going to wipe away every tear. Some, some people who have gone before us, some of us have family members who have gone before us, and they've gotten a taste of this already. 
I believe. One day we'll be there. I'll be there. I'm not sure if my neighbors will be there. I'm not sure if all the friends or people God, people I work with are going to be there or not. But he's gone to prepare a place. So the application is us, men and women of God. Let's build the temple. Let's get about God's business. Let's do just as they did in the book of Haggai and repent, to turn. If, if there have been things, if you relate to that donkey in the picture, man, we, we need to get our focus back on God. We need to be about God's business and he needs to be our passion. This earth is not our home. We, build our, we, we drive our tent stakes too deeply in this world. Amen? Do you do that? I do it. I do it. I know the answers. And yet, I, I get my focus off of what is eternal onto things that are temporary. And I pray every day. I need the Lord. I need people around me to help me to keep on task. There's one more thing. There's a... Um, a call to be saved. You know what? I want to ask you this morning. Some of you may be here and you may identify with Caitlin's testimony. Maybe you've been in church all your life. Maybe you've uh, been around it or maybe people have talked about it, but there's an emptiness in your life. Something is missing. You can change that. If, if you die, let me ask you a question. If you die today, you're 100% sure that you'd spend eternity in heaven or not. Let's um, look at one other passage. It's in Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. This is the last passage this morning. Then I saw a great white throne in him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. The books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. That is the truth. Write it down. It's true. Um, But God invites us. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 says this, verses 8 and 9. It's by grace we're saved through faith and not of ourselves. It's a gift from God, not by works. God offers us salvation is a gift, a relationship with him. Uh, Kate quoted the verse, for those who receive him, for those who put their faith in him, he gives a privilege to be a child of God. If you're here today and you're not sure that you'll spend eternity in heaven, you can change that in a moment, in a prayer, in an instant. So I'd just like you guys, just bow your heads, if you would. And if you're here this morning and you have not Put your faith in Jesus. I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and you can pray this prayer from your heart to God, and he will change your life. Dear Jesus, I need you. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead. I ask you now, forgive my sin. I open my heart 
and I invite you in. Come into my life, forgive my sin, and make me the person you've called me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time and you were serious, I want you to let someone know. Thank you.